I am absolutely terrible with names. And uh, so, Braille, I did get your name uh, figured. Where's she at? Is she gone out of the room into a child? Okay, all right. Yeah, what a sweetie. So she spent about 10 minutes trying to tell me her name. (laughs) She was getting frustrated. It was like, no, it's B, and I was messing it up. But uh, uh, so, um, which is a good disclaimer, by the way, regarding Scripture and, and places that I references and names, because there ain't no telling how I'm going to pronounce something. And uh, so I just, I didn't go to high school. Well, I did, but, you know, it was abbreviated. And uh, so I, I, I actually, I graduated in jail. And my, yeah, I did. And my mom came down and handed the diploma through the bars. And, uh, and I graduated with a 1.76 average. That's a D plus. I don't even know. I don't even know how they even registered that. But uh, I wasn't there. I I was out. I was I was a thief, and and it was the '60s. And so in California, I was a hundred miles away from the epicenter to the whole hippie thing, you know. And and uh, it was open drug culture. It's still open drug culture in California, you know. We just legalized pot what a year ago, and. Uh, I don't know where that's going to go, but uh, anyway, uh, so I went back to school after I got saved. I had a spiritual collision when I was 19. This told I went from being uh, Al Capone to Mother Teresa in a 24-hour period. And so I just went, shoom, and uh, I did a total turnaround of my life and uh, uh, just had a... a a collision with Jesus that just changed me. And uh, so uh, I'm going to talk to you this morning um, about two things, and these are the takeaways. Number one, God is an alien. And number two, you were designed to be an avatar. And so those are your takeaways this morning. And uh, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit. And and I probably better before I get kicked out. But uh, uh, (laughs) uh, I just had a big old super collider here in Waxahachie. How many of you are aware of that big project they had down there? They had a big old super collider that was, they got it, they relocated it. They abandoned that project in 93. And uh, uh, that super collider project was designed to, uh, uh, and trust me, I'm going to talk for a minute about particle physics. And before I do, let me explain that I have absolutely no business talking about particle physics, but that was what that thing was down there. They dug a bunch of kilometers of tunnels down there in, in, around Waxahachie, and they started putting things in the ground. They spent about $2 billion before they abandoned that thing, and uh, so some contractors did just fine, but uh, 
the idea was that they're going to take these things, these atoms and protons and other little minuscule things that you can't even see, invisible things, and they're going to take these uh, magnetic uh, super magnets that are as big as a battleship, and they're going to use these, uh, these, these electromagnets to drive these tiny microscopic things that you can't even see at the speed of light, and then they're going to collide them into each other. You know? Who thinks this stuff up? You know? And, uh, and then what they're going to do is kind of like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a destruction derby, you know. They're going to collide those cars together, and then they're going to go out there and try to figure out what they got. And uh, there's stuff that the, the whole subatomic world is absolutely amazing. There's stuff that you can't see that's holding together. There's other stuff that you can't see that... Uh, that that allows you to sit on these pews today. All matter is made up of this stuff. We're made up of this stuff. There's a thing when they just built this thing that, I, that was going to be out here in Waxahachie. Well, they went to France, and they built it in France. They built it on the French-Swiss border. And uh, they got a super collider there. A few years ago, they were successful in driving some of those little protons together, and they discovered this thing called the Higgs boson. And this Higgs boson, you may have heard of it referenced as the God particle. And basically what that is, is they can't figure out, these, these uh, physicists cannot figure out what's holding stuff together. It doesn't make any sense. They're like, there's something here that we can't see, but scientifically and mathematically, ha- and it was called the Higgs boson. And it existed theoretically for years until they created this super collider, pounded this stuff together, looked, and ting, Higgs boson. They discovered it. Every time they do this, what happens is it unfolds another layer of stuff that you're going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And it just gets deeper. And there's like 150 subatomic particles and it, it just, and all you can do, as C.S. Lewis said, is you can take off your hat and bow the knee. Because we're surrounded. The world is enchanted. We're surrounded by wonder. We're surrounded by what we do not understand care how smart we are. We don't, we don't get it. We don't understand this stuff. A few years ago, my family had an opportunity to go to, to, to NASA. Anybody ever been to NASA? Yeah. yeah amazing place. And uh, um, they've got uh, that guy from Tesla now is firing off stuff. And he's kind of taken over the, the, the whole missile project. And uh, they got a movie in, in, in one of those, those big IMAX screens. 
in NASA, if you ever get a chance to see it, it's worth seeing it. And uh, it's called, um, I think it's called the universe. And uh, no, it's called, what's that, what's that, um, uh, that uh, satellite that's out there that has the, the, um, yeah, yeah. Were you with us? Well, you didn't go. Okay, yeah. But it's the Hubble Telescope. And I can't remember if the name of the darn thing is, did I remind you? Let me remind you. Let me go back to the beginning. I have a little problem with names. Okay, so I can't remember if the name of the film was uh, the, uh, the Hubble or if it was the universe. Anyways, it's narrated by Matt Damon. And the film would have been a lot better if Matt Damon would have just shut up. And uh, seriously, because he's up there rambling on about how everything, you know, and trying to describe, you know, why and how and what have you. And he, ain't, he don't know. And, uh, uh, but the pictures are flipping amazing. And, uh, and what, what you're seeing is a, the Hubble is setting out in space. And, and they train this thing on a, on a dark, little, tiny, dark tiny section of the universe. And then they open it up. And they open that up for like 30 days or something like that. And then they look at the results and the light that is penetrated goes back. It's like a time machine. And it goes back. And you're able to see into deep space. And all of that area that was black has 10 thousand galaxies within that little square of the universe and it just and as you're looking at the picture you can go online you can use your phone and google hubble telescope and it'll give you like updates you know today's pictures of the universe and it just goes on and on and deeper and more vast, and it's just never-ending. The psalmist says, if I go to the heavens, you're there. And if I go to the depths, you're there. And so inhabiting this entire space from the highest heavens and the most vast reaches of the universe, which incorporates billions of planets beyond what our minds can even imagine. Now we can see some of it. You go, no, that's unbelievable. And it is. It's just vast. And it just, it just keeps, it keeps expanding. And the further you go out into it, the more vast it is. And then as you explore the depths, the more you go into subatomic structures, the more is unexplained. We don't have answers to this stuff, folks. We've got a lot of great scientists. In fact, what's happening now is a lot of the scientists that were secular are coming to a place where they're realizing that there is a designer behind this thing. There's no other explanation. They just have to, as C.S. Lewis said once again, they have to take off their hats and bow the knee. They come to the place where there's no other explanation. This thing, it defies reason. 
It goes beyond, and so we're left with wonder. A great author, if you get a chance to read a guy, his name is Abraham Heschel. And uh, a rabbi wrote a book called uh, uh, I Asked for Wonder. And, uh, and, and it's basically the idea is that he didn't ask for wisdom, and he didn't ask for celebrity. He didn't ask for intelligence. He asked for wonder. And, uh, and uh, incredible insights into just God's ineffable qualities, which let's talk about a minute. So God is an alien. All that space we just talked about, he not only created that space, he inhabits it. You go to Genesis 1. I studied under a theologian that spent, he does a seminar, and he spends, uh, his name is Winky, theologian named Winky. That's one name I don't forget. And uh, (laughs) he's a New Zealander, you know. And uh, spent 19 hours on Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. At the base of everything is this uncreated being was there. You can't get Don't, don't. Mind doesn't wrap around that. That's, that's, that's what we call an absolute of wonder. An absolute of wonder. We, we, we're given that by revelation. You're not going to get your mind. Your reason won't contain that. You're not designed to get your head around that concept because everything and everyone in this room was created. He is uncreated. In the beginning, God. And then the next word is what? Created. He is the great creator. He's the source. Everything came from him. I don't know how that happened. I don't know if that was a big bang that happened. You know, I I don't know if that, you know, the Bible tells us that it was spoken. You go into physics, and by the way, the whole dynamics of sound in regard, and I'm not even going to go there because I'm not smart enough to even talk about it, but it resonates with the reality of matter. And so, in the beginning, God spoke this world and this universe into existence. I was, uh, had the privilege this last year of uh, uh, traveling to Africa. And uh, um, I had never even thought about going to Africa uh, was not on my bucket list, and uh, I had had shoulder surgery uh, back in uh, February, and so I was worthless, and uh, one could argue that, well, never mind, but uh, I, um, uh, so I was recuperating and had a chance to go on some uh, safaris in Africa, and so I figured, hey, that sounds like 
an interesting thing to do. And so uh, we jumped on to the, which by the way, be ready for some ridiculous flights if you ever decide to go to Africa. It was like 31 hours. And, uh, but the last place that we visited, and here's one of these names. I'm going to look at it and read it because otherwise I'll butcher it. It was called the Ovavanka, the Ovavanka Delta, and it's in Botswana. And so last place we went was the Ovavanka Delta, huge uh, floodplain and, uh, in northern Botswana. And uh, we got there in the evening, and so they, uh, they, they took us uh, into our little cabana which was not a little cabana, it was a big cabana, but it had a, a screen all the way around it. And uh, so there's this one-eighth inch membrane that separates you from Africa. And uh, so, and they give you this little, air, this little air horn that's, you know, you've just seen those people take them to the baseball games and, you know, annoy people with them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, they give you one of those and they say, listen, if anything happens, blow this. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and don't go out of your cabana at night. Okay. And so, anyway, we didn't think much more of that. And we uh, retired for the evening. And, uh, and about 2 o'clock in the morning. By the way, the cabanas are, like, isolated. They're located, you know, in a place where all you're looking at is the Ovianca Delta. And you don't, it's like you're all alone out there, right? And about two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and it was right outside. I'm going, what in the sand? And then I figured out, there's a hippos, man, right outside. Well, the hippos are bad, you know? I mean, they're, they're like, hippos are the only animal that kills for sport. And uh, they will whoop your tail. And uh, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, do I blow this thing or what do I do, you know? And they were out there. There's big grass, right? Our, our cabana is like raised up, you know. It's, it's, uh, it's raised up off the ground and there's, there's thick, lush grass down there. They're down there cavorting and, and munching grass and pooping and doing all hippo stuff. And so anyway, uh, I figured, well, you know, this is just normal. You know, it's got to be. And so I didn't blow the horn. About the time I decided not to blow the horn, a leopard hits my deck right outside and comes padding across the patio. I'm like, no! And, uh, but you are in wild kingdom out there. And uh, one of the things that we got up, every morning we'd get up and get on the, you know, the land cruiser and, and go out and you had at least two of these safaris every day. I knew I was going to see stuff. I had no idea that I was going to see that much stuff. And so every day we'd get up and it would be like herds of elephants, leopards on their kill, lions munching kudus, um, hippos, rhinos, giraffes. And it, it just kept coming at you in waves. And sitting in, in, in a... In, in a uh, uh, in a land cruiser at 5.30 in the morning, watching the sun come up over that delta, 
It, it really is the whole circle of life. It's, I knew Simba was around there somewhere, you know. And, but, you're, yeah, you're in, it's that whole circle of life thing. And, and it's pulsating. And you realize that that life and that energy and that presence is going to continue, whether you're there or not. And it goes on for millennial. And most of us, in, the, in fact, all of us in this room are brushed. The ineffable. The Holy Spirit is, will brush you in your life. He lights every man that comes into the world. There's something that happens that you're going to get it, that there is something beyond, that there's something ineffable, that there's something that you cannot explain that is influencing your life and that is touching your life. You are designed to have a relationship with that God. With that Creator God. With that God that continues to control the entire universe. With that God that is at the very depths in the makeup of the protons holding the world together. And at the very far reaches of space as we look at what He's created. Who continues to rule and reign in the universe. And that God cares about you. And again, there's only one response to that, and that is to take off your hat and bow your knee. The ineffable will brush your life. You know, it's, it, it's like when you surrender your life to God, it's like there's this spiritual DNA that's just planted right inside of you. And what happens is there's, a, there's, a, there's an invasion of your personality. There's an invasion of your life by a holy presence. And you have the opportunity. You can respond to that or you can resist it. I don't even understand a God that is that powerful and that majestic and that real that gives us the freedom to jut out our little chin. You know, what? what? I mean, that gives us the choice, but he does. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't function that way. I'd go, you know, done. Next. <laughs> Hey, thank God that God is not like me, and, and, or like you. He's not like us. In fact, he's metaphysically different than we are. He is uncreated. He inhabits the universe. He is omnipresent. He knows everything. He's omniscient, and he has the power to keep all of this stuff functioning. He's omnipotent. 
He ain't like you. He ain't like me. God is, God is an alien. He is metaphysically different than you are. Doesn't have a body. God is not a big man in the sky. He's not like Santa Claus. You know, you cannot make your list and give it to him. So, he is a spirit. And he is here holding everything together, even holds together the guy that even held held together the guy that drove the stakes into his hands. And so when you give your life to Christ, and uh, better read a scripture, you guys are going to think I'm, you know, just making this stuff up. Uh, turn to Colossians, book of Colossians, third chapter. <clears throat> It was a movie, I don't know, it's been several years ago. Highest grossing film ever, Avatar. Anybody see the movie Avatar? I, I it, you know, drew kind of mixed reviews. I love the film. Uh, Sam Worthington plays Mike Scully in Avatar, who is a, uh, a disabled Marine. And uh, they go to the planet Pandora, who is, uh, which is, and again, I probably butcher this, but it's populated by a, a group of alien creatures called the Navi. And uh, the, 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 the uh, atmosphere on Pandora, they're, they're mining it for, you know, whatever. They, something there that, they, that is valuable. And, uh, but the atmosphere is poisonous. And so in order to, and they're getting, they're getting the snot beat out of them by these, by these Navi creatures, right? And so they got to infiltrate these Navis and, you know, find a way to keep on extracting all this stuff out of the planet. And uh, so they take this disabled Marine and they transplant his consciousness into an avatar, which is they've, they've, uh, they've cloned a Navi body and the consciousness of the Marine goes into the Navi. That's a pretty good picture of what it means to surrender your life to Christ. So if you look at that metaphor and you start processing that, let me read Colossians to you. Maybe this will, I don't know, resonate, does with me. Since then, you have been risen with Christ Colossians 3.1, set your hearts on things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death. Therefore, 
whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your avatar, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Greek, no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, your avatar, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Very clear description of the old Navi nature, and then the consciousness that invades. And that's what happens in our life. You know, we got a, we got a lot of folks that uh, get brushed by the ineffable. They get brushed by God. And uh, we got it boiled down to formulas now, where, you know, if you do a, uh, a two-minute apology then uh, you get free tickets to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You get eternal salvation and fire insurance. You get essentially a, a pass, not only on past sin, but on anything you do in the future. And you get a hundredfold return on all present investments. And it's all going to happen for a two-minute apology. Salvation is not an experience wherein you make a two-minute apology and you've been there and you've done that and you got the T-shirt and then you move on with your selfish life. It's not what salvation is. Salvation is that surrender where you come to the place where you die to yourself and then you begin to experience this unfolding of that DNA in your life where that spiritual reality begins to unlock and go and take over how you think, take over how you act, take over your values, take over what you do. You become an individual. You know, it's really sad. That, uh, anybody here Willow Glen or Willow Creek rather? Willow Creek is a big church out of Chicago. They did a study called the Reveal Project a few years ago. And that project, uh, they interviewed like 6,000 people and were trying to figure out growth and spiritual formation in people within the church. What they realized was there was about a two-year curve. And what happens is people that come in 
to a relationship with the Lord, make a confession of faith. Get involved in the programs of the church, and they got about a two-year curve where things are, you know, interesting, they're passionate about it, and after about two years, it plateaus, and there becomes this disillusionment, and they're not experiencing any kind of, you know, growth and any kind of, uh, any kind of, 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 of dynamic, you know, a passion in their relationship with the Lord. And uh, I think I know why. I think because you ain't got nothing to do. We've become a performance orientation, a performance, a performance program. And so we come to church like we all are here today, and we sit there and we listen to the preacher, and we say, oh, that was pretty good, you know. Kind of like him, worship could have used a little work, you know. And, uh, you know, I don't like the way they take up the offering either. They, you know, they could do better at that. And, and who the heck was that woman with that big hat? That just drives me crazy, you know. And you know what I'm saying? And, and so we evaluate and we become critics. And so, and, and, and we don't, we're, you know why? Because we're not getting, we're not we're not getting the next thing. We, God designed you so that you would respond to him and what he's unfolding in your life. I'll tell you, I, I, I was at a place in my walk where I, I was stagnant and, and, and I, wasn't, I wasn't doing well. I was suffering until I got a hold of this whole wheelchair thing that I'm doing now. And it, it lit me up. You know what? I because because I am I cannot do this by myself. I am like way beyond my pay grade on this deal. I'm taking wheelchairs into. We went to Mongolia last year. You know, I didn't know what I'm doing in Mongolia. You know, and I I don't have the ability to pull this off. So it brings me into a dependency with God. It brings me into a a a. a uh, an awareness that I need him. You know, Jesus was up on the mountain, and the first thing, what did he say? He brought all the disciples to him, and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what? You're not smart enough to run your own life. You don't have the ability, and neither do I. We were not designed to run our own life. We were designed to be in a place of dependency on the Holy Spirit. We were designed to be poor in spirit. The next one that he followed that with is blessed are the meek. Now, that isn't the wimps. He didn't say blessed are the wimps, okay? Moses is described as the meekest man that ever lived. I guarantee you that Moses was not a wimp. And, I mean, here's this dude that's standing off the Pharaoh. You know, and saying, let my people go. You know, I, he, the dude was not a wimp. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is submitted, is, is surrendered. And so if we start out with an awareness of our ineptitude, the fact that, you know, I don't often quote Dirty Harry in sermons, but I will this morning, you know. And he said, you know what? Man's got to know his limitations, right? 
Man's got to know his limitations. We, we are limited, folks. We were designed limited. We were designed to be avatars. We were designed to live in dependence on the Holy Spirit, on that God that infiltrates us, plants his spiritual DNA in us, and then unfolds us. Listen, it's not an experience. It didn't end when you walked forward and said yes to God. It only began there. That's the beginning. And it's supposed to unfold. And it's only going to unfold as you are meek, as you surrender your lives. And the good news is that God is good and that we can surrender our lives to him. And it results in shalom. It results in peace. It results in cooperation. It results in individuals living together in harmony. It results in positive change. And that's what God's design is for each one of us. So it's not about, listen, it's not about you getting your retirement. It's not about that. I don't have anything against retirement. I'm, I just started drawing Social Security. You youngsters that are in the room, you probably will never have that experience. But, you know, the, 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 so I, I'm, you know, I'm cashing in while I can, right? And... Uh, so we don't know what those charts are going to look like, right? But, but it's not about retirement. Or getting to a point where you don't have to do anything anymore and you go chase a white ball around, you know. And, uh, or whatever else your dream of, you know, disengagement is. It's about yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? There is nothing that will, that will give you purpose or that will provide meaning for your life. And I think a lot of us, that's really what we're searching for. You know, we want to we discover our purpose. We want to feel like we've done something significant with our lives. Um. When you're doing God-directed things, then that's, that feeling of purpose and meaning is like, you know. Uh, we, we do this wheelchair thing, and, uh, and, and the wheelchair thing is the wheelchair thing. Uh, the important thing is not the wheelchair thing. The important thing is responding to the Lord. It's doing what God has, you know, put in our hearts to do. I get done. Uh, we just did a project down in, in uh, Mexico last month, and we were in Veracruz, Mexico, and state of Veracruz, and crazy little town called Orizaba, and another one called Coltepec. And uh, um, uh, normally we do 200 chairs uh, and uh, in, a, uh, in a week, we take a team and do, but by the way, y'all are welcome. Anybody wants to go on a mission trip that uh, is, is uh, the weirdest thing you ever experienced in your life, you're welcome to come with me. And uh, so, and you can get my information, just get on my mailing list. But we took two teams into Veracruz. One uh, uh, was a 10-day uh, 
uh, distribution. Actually, we were only probably five days in the, in the distribution. And then the other one was another seven days. And, uh, and, and normally we do 200 wheelchairs. We did 650 wheelchairs. Yeah, no, it was nuts. And it was like, uh, it was a machine. When you get done at the end of the day and you step back and you're looking at 50 families whose lives you know that you just made a difference for, that you just made a change. That's pretty fulfilling, you know. When you do things that are God-directed things and you're responding to him and you see results from that, then, you know, it's pretty rewarding. The problem is, folks, we got 5% of the people doing 90% of the work. And so find your calling. Be an avatar. You know, get on your knees and find out what, and it doesn't have to look like this. It doesn't have to look like churchy stuff. You don't have to go do a churchy thing somewhere else and replicate, you know, a performance. And unfortunately, it's like, you know, let's, can we get a little creative here? We're dealing with the, the God of the universe. We're dealing with this. You think that's all he's got? I don't think so. I think he has unlimited ideas of how we can serve one another and how we can make a difference and how we can promote shalom. Amen? Amen. So who wants to be an avatar? All right. So, and how do you do that? Submit your life to God and allow him to influence you spiritually. Allow him and dig in to how he has communicated. Start reading, folks. Start studying. Start praying. Start finding what God has for your life. And you won't find any better path for fulfillment than that. Amen. God bless you.